We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Welcome to Studio 222 at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and please welcome this week's gang. It's Carlo Ritchie in Canberra. Hi, Carlo. Hello, Richard. And with me in Sydney, it's Tommy Dean and Alex Lee. Hello. And in our music room, it's Sally Saltman. Hello. With the piano in hand. Now, let us check that you are up with this week's news. Who decided a short ISO will suffice so? Well, I feel like uh, as a resident health expert. <laughs> Tommy's got a job. Oh, yeah, I work uh, for the Ministry of Health. Oh, okay. You know, you know Kerry Chan? Doctor, yeah. Dr. Kerry Chan. Virtually right-hand man. She prefers to be called doctor. Oh, okay. Tommy is only, Tommy, you know, a, a pyramid, an employment pyramid. Yeah. Tommy is only 5,323 places on that pyramid below Kerry Chan. Oh, mm. that's, that's basically yet, head honcho. But yet her right-hand man. <laughs> it is just a weird way that the government system works as far as it looks. So that makes you basically a doctor, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like a yeah, doctor in training. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I scrub in. Like we had a terrible one the other day. Like they, they said, Tommy, you'd be interested in this. We're doing a liver transplant. So I scrubbed in on that. And, and they said, oh, could you hand us the liver? And then, and, and in my defense, outside of the body, the liver and the kidney, very similar. Yeah. That's right. I don't even know why they had them in the same esky. I think that's on the delivery guy. Why are you putting things together that do not belong? Yeah, but that guy who's got two kidneys, he's happy. He's happy. He's happy. He sold a book. I I mean, I feel like you're talking on my behalf here. I don't think I'm happy at all, guys. I mean, I didn't want Tommy to do that operation. I said it repeatedly, and yet here we are. Yeah. He said it just as the anesthetist was doing it to Carlo. But as we said to you... Tommy Dean is not a proper dog. But I said it to you, Carlo, just before the anesthetics kicked in. I pointed out that I wasn't the doctor. I was more like 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 a line chef. Putting the toast in the toaster. <laughs> I didn't make the incision. I didn't close. You're, I didn't, you're, you're the Sue doctor. I just dropped it in a slot. Yeah, I'm the Sue doctor. He's the Sue doctor as in you'd want to sue so, Oh, you want to. <laughs> yeah, come after my... And I just got a raise. Oh, yeah, I've been adjusted for CPI. Oh. I don't even know what that means, yeah. but it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> that means your real wage is only going down by 3% a year. It's so good. That means. It's so good. So it's so going from seven days to five days and no masks on planes. That's the goal. That's the goal. The five days is the new rule for COVID isolation. So once you find out that you have from the day of the test being positive, uh, we want you to stay home for five days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like seven. It used to be ten. And then seven was like a nice midpoint. We always knew that five, like the science is pretty clear that COVID is like technically, and this and don't take this as gospel, <laughs> but COVID is only active for like three days. Yeah, that right? But the problem is we don't know which three days. <laughs> That's why we had the seven day isolation because that covered all seven days. Uh-huh. But we figured it's worth the risk if you take two numbers off the board and you're only gambling on five numbers. Bad, bad chance it's, to get he, he, he adopts a tone like a doctor. He it's does. Very, I, I'm it's writing very, this all down. It's very convincing, isn't yeah, it? I mean, uh, I excuse me, are we safe doing yeah. this? I mean, I think that people are saying, oh, it's, you know, it's irresponsible, it's not based on any health advice, but I think it's actually good that, you know, Albo, Perite, they've brought COVID to the table. They've had this negotiate, 
you know, negotiation with them. And it's great. COVID has agreed it will leave the human body <laughs> after five days. And I think, you know, I think that's fantastic. And COVID's actually admitted that this would actually be better for COVID because obviously it's got a mission to mm. infect as many bodies yeah, as yeah, possible. Yeah. But it's realised that if it's going to be a sustainable lifestyle, two days off isn't going to be too bad for it. So, I mean, COVID's this is obviously, mm. this has got to be what has happened. Thank God we've got politicians strong enough to negotiate with COVID. <laughs> uh, Carlo, Richie, you're, you're there in Canberra where this, this has all been going on. What do you think? Well, yeah, look, I thought it was crazy to invite COVID into the Parliament House down here in Canberra. I was very personally <laughs> worried about it. But, um, you know, it seems to have paid dividends. Um, you know, I mean, five days, though... You can't even really finish an HBO series in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to think about us at home, you know. You've got to get a quality of life out of that isolation. I'm going to be sitting there waiting to find out how Game of Thrones ends. That's right. They shouldn't have changed the rules just when Lord of the Rings is coming on, right? <laughs> uh, Carla, Richie, Tommy Dean and Alex Lee are here. Uh, now, who has a very thin chimney that <laughs> seems to need cleaning? What's this story about? Who has a very thin chimney? I think the uh, the Australian Retailers Association. They have a very thin. They chimney. are very keen to get the kids into jobs, so they want thirteen year old children to to get to work, yep. get off TikTok, get off Minecraft, get off TikTok, get and into up, the real mines, up, up that chimney. That's right. I think you'll find they're thirteen year old miners. <laughs> Sorry, yes, and they are actually making a better wage than me at the ABC. So you know, jokes on me. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think it's great because really at that age, all it is, is free childcare for parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're basically getting adult supervision. They're not in your house, you know, trying to make some melted cheese thing that they saw yeah. on TikTok and ruining your toaster. You're basically, you're pressing the deputy manager of the local Woolworths into work as a childcare operator. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, we've got childcare shortages. This is perfect. Hey, your, your child's a bit younger than 13, but do you think they're up to, up to regular employment? <laughs> Yeah. What, they're, could, they're, what could my child be qualified are they, they're, to do? Your child is two, right? Yeah, three. Oh, he's three and a half now. Three and a half. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, is the country, do we have a skills shortage in people who poop their pants at the moment? I think so. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's a gap you could fill. <laughs> what do you think, Tommy? Is that too, uh, too here, young? I thought about this. Here's the thing. I came into this. I spent all day thinking about all the jokes supporting the idea. This is a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody great ideas. Get the children out, blah, blah, blah. And then I started to think about my children. <laughs> and these children, my children are in the wheelhouse of this policy. And I just suddenly realized it is so hard to get them to do anything. The idea here is that we put children in the workplace and it will increase the economy. But I do not think that the retail association is looking into the amount of money they are going to have to spend on the micromanagement <laughs> to keep yeah. these kids doing anything <laughs> worth producing. And here is my evidence right here. My toilet... <laughs> Constantly has empty toilet rolls <laughs> next to it. Yeah. And do you know what's on the other side of the toilet? A bin. A bin! <laughs> a bin! <laughs> like, I'm applauding the fact that they are using the paper. Yeah. Like, a little part of me was worried that they wouldn't even do that. Yeah. But they used the paper. The paper runs out. And they put the new roll on because they're sitting right there. Yeah. But all they have to do, literally all they have to do is pick it up, transfer hands, and they don't even have to move. It's the same desk. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So you, you, you just think the Australian Retailers Association, uh, so anyway, have they met one? I don't think they have any idea what they're <laughs> what getting they themselves did. with. 
I think, I think the onboarding process alone is going to take them years. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, you say that, like maybe they don't listen to you, but what is the one thing that 13-year-olds are terrified of? Slightly older teenagers. And if the 13-year-olds are down the bottom, that means like the 15-year-olds are going to be middle management. And, you know, maybe they'll be able to mm, bully yeah, them yeah, into yeah, doing yeah. their jobs. We, we can but hope. Carla, do you think this is a good idea? I mean, it sounds a bit Dickensian on the first uh, glance at it, but then again, we have got a school shortage. We, 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 we need more labour. Well, look, I'm worried about it, to be honest, because I, I, I employ a lot of 10-year-olds in my lead mine, <laughs> and I'm just worried that once we flood the market with 13-year-olds, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of 10-year-olds that are suddenly under threat from being replaced by slightly stronger teenagers. Mm. And I think it's going to be devastating to break news to all those 10-year-olds. Yeah, now, you know how lead is a danger to the growing brain. You're not worried that your 10-year-olds might suffer in that way? Oh yeah, that's why I get that's why I get the kids because I'm not doing it myself. Mm. No <laughs> chance. But I think that's your argument, isn't it? I remember we were talking about this earlier, Carlo, where you said what was great about it is you hired them at ten, and then thanks to the lack of brain development, they stayed ten <laughs> for thirty years. Then that meant that you could pay them at youth scale wage. I do love the fact that Tommy Dean is outraged at the idea that 13-year-olds could be pressed into employment since he took till he was 50. <laughs> well, there is that. It, my wisdom has elevated me in my role, and I just don't think they have the capacity yeah. at 13. Yeah. Just the whole, the whole population should wait, should chuck a Tommy Dean and wait till they're just 50. You're, you're mature. You're, you're, he's enjoyed work. He's enjoyed joining the love workforce. Love love it. He loves it. Lovely. Can't believe he wasn't doing it since he was 20. Now, that's hmm? the people who have been doing it since they're 20 do not have that view about the world of work. No. They're complaining about it. They're yeah, All day, just so many sad eyes. I have to walk through so many sad eyes to get to my happy <laughs> oh, desk. The lead gives me headaches and I start having nosebleeds every time I close my eyes. Yes, I get it. But I want yeah. you to know, Carlo, every time I write something with my special pencil, I think of you and thank you. What's his face? Oh, the My lead. Oh, Chris, I'm sorry. I'm a bit slow. I must have been working in Carlo's mind. Who might next time, this is the third question from this week's news, who might next time pilot a better course? Well, I think this is the, the story of two Air France pilots who punched on in the cockpit on a flight from Geneva to Paris. That's right. They, had, yeah, to be they, had, they to... had to be restrained by the, the flight crew. Yeah, yeah, and then they had to put a flight crew member in to supervise them for the rest of the flight. Like, all right, you guys are on, you, you know, we're watching you guys. They just, they full on biffed each mm. other. Did, did, did Air France reveal what, what it was about? What it was on, you know? What I haven't the... seen what they had. They said it, they said it was a, some sort of altercation. There had been a rude hand gesture maybe had been thrown in the mix. Um, but the thing that I really liked about it is they said it didn't affect the flight. You know, they're like, oh, no, it didn't affect the flight at all. Which, I mean, it, it should go, they, they should be keeping that as secret as they can. Imagine if you could start getting away with having fights in cockpits. They should have been like, oh, no, this was, it was one of the worst possible things that could happen. Now I think pilots are just going to be fighting all the time. Yeah, it doesn't affect the flight. Why not, have, you know, have a, have a bit of a go at each other? Yeah, I've been saving this gripe up for a long time. I'm ready to punch on. It is a bit worrying, Tony, the idea that your pilot and the co-pilot might be, you know, decking it out whilst, whilst you're Some, on the skies. But, you know, have you been in a cockpit? There's not a lot of room to get, like, real swing. It's more of a slap fight. <laughs> like movies make it seem. But think of every movie you've ever seen a fight on an airplane. It's a very popular place to stage. It's always back in the body of the plane, and then the door to the cockpit swings open, and then a pilot gets shot. That's all that ever happens. Mm-hmm. You can't ever have a good fight. It's too tight. So restrictive. In fact, I'm surprised that this doesn't happen more often. 
Yeah. I mean, to be tied down in such restrictive place and going through the most inane checklists of all time every day. Every single day, you have to read a book to tell you how to do your job. Uh, did you turn on the engine? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's what you, that would, you'd be angry all the time. And now uh, I think what you should do is back away from the... Shut up! <laughs> I've been flying for 20 years! You think they argue with the automatic pilot, too? All, all the time. He, that, that's a third element in this. Or maybe Ooh, it was like different. They were coming up in the... Uh, they just, uh, as after air takeoff was complete, he's like, can I, can I put the wheels up? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> You're not the putting automatic pilot was egging them on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or maybe it was some sort of love triangle with the automatic pilot who has like a very sexy voice or something. You're going to take that, Captain? You're going to take that? That's the first officer speaking. It's, not, it's like a that. bit worrying if you're a passenger, though, Alex. Yeah, I mean, and what I read is that it happened just after they took off. Like, at least have the decency to wait until you've reached cruising altitude. Mm. I feel like you've got jobs to do when the plane's still climbing. I mean, I think if they're going to do it, Wait until cruising altitude and then it's shirts <laughs> off into the main cabin and let's give the people, you know, at least in business class. Well, rolling, rolling, rolling down the aisle. Exactly. Yeah. I should... mean, there's only so many sort of wacky safety announcements that are going to keep the people amused. We need to step it up. And I think it's, you know, pilot fights to the death mm-hmm. in the main cabin. But that's what I think you're right. I think they should do the fight when they open it up and, you know, they get to cruising altitude. All right, ladies and gentlemen, your captain speaking. We're at 35,000 feet. <laughs> and if you look to your right, there's his face. What? <laughs> They should get out of the wing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you reckon it was about the? I reckon it was about the peanuts. You know when you finally you finally get a drink on the plane and they give you the packet of peanuts and it's got five peanuts in it. <laughs> I reckon it was that. I reckon. Oh, he, look at old Richard Glover. Ten peanuts. Yeah. Richard Glover. Reckon, you heard it here first. I reckon one of them got ten peanuts in his packet, and uh-huh. the, the other got the other got proper mad. Yeah. 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 He got he got two of those tiny bottles of vodka. <laughs> what? What? I don't think they're allowed to drink, Tommy. That's what started the fight. <laughs> Thank God. It's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. We have Carlo Ritchie uh, in Canberra. He's got a new podcast called Did the Titanic Sink? I'll talk to him about that a little later. It has people like Reese Darby and Tim Bad in it. Uh, Tommy Dean's here with us in Sydney. Alex Lee, of course, host of Win the Week, Wednesday nights on ABC TV. Carlo, I, I mentioned earlier you've got this new podcast you, you're doing in, in New Zealand. It's got people uh, like Reese Darby and, and Tim Bad in it. It's got an intriguing sounding, well, maybe intriguing, maybe just weird. The title is Did Titanic Sink. Uh, are you really proclaiming that it didn't sink? Well, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but it, it kind of goes back to this quite interesting conspiracy theory that potentially it wasn't the Titanic that sank, but in fact another ship. Oh. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's quite involved. It goes all the way to the top, all the way to J.P. Morgan himself, mm-hmm. the Monopoly man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a great old time. So Except if you think the world hasn't got a sufficient conspiracy theories at the moment... <laughs> Yeah, I thought the time was right. There didn't seem to be very many around. And I thought now was the time. You've been obsessed with the Titanic for as long as I can remember. Why are you so obsessed with it? Oh, I, I can't really put my finger on it, Richard, because I've been obsessed with it as long as I can remember. It's like I, I found, you know, National Geographic when I was very little and just became fixated on this ship. And I, I don't know why, it just... I find it endlessly compelling. You, you visited the, you know, you went on holidays to the shipyard in Belfast where they built it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I took a, a one-day holiday to Belfast purely to go to the Titanic Museum. How long were you there? I was there for all up, I think, nine hours. Um, like, so it was, it was a long time. I was in the one particular room in the museum that 
for so long that they asked me if I was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the answer to which is no. Uh, <laughs> Graham Creed is here with the weekend weather statewide. Hi, Graham. G'day, Richard. Yeah, what's ahead? All right, well, quickly, if we start off with the warnings, and as we've been hearing all day, a flood watch for parts of the mid-north coast, so this includes the Arara, Bellinger and the Hastings rivers. We've also got a hazardous surf warning. This extends from the Hunter Coast through to the Queensland border. Now, this is all associated with a trough moving through the north of the state, and as that trough moves out off the coast, it's combining with the southerly wind change, which is currently moving through the Hunter, That's going to see a low-pressure system form off the north coast or the south coast of Queensland. That's going to maintain heavy rainfall, particularly around the mid-north coast. This looks to be the focus area for the heaviest of the rain. Also into bordering areas of the northern rivers, the northern tablelands and also parts of the Hunter. But most of the coast looking at the potential of showers as we move through Saturday. As that low moves away it will still maintain a fairly vigorous south-southeasterly wind flow. So that means more showers along most of the coast of New South Wales, but the inland will be relatively clear. And we are expecting to see fairly cool temperatures over the coming days. This is, again, associated with that cooler southerly airflow. We're feeling that in Sydney on both Saturday and Sunday. Minimums of 7 to 13 tomorrow, but maximums are just 15 to 17. Cloudy, widespread areas of rain or showers and fresh to strong southerly winds. We've also got a partly cloudy and showery day on Sunday. Still got those fresh southerlies, and we're only looking at maximums around 16 to 18, Richard. Yeah, the happy Father's Day, Graham. Thanks so much. You too. There's a Graham Cree. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. With more Thank God It's Friday with Carlo Ritchie, Tommy Dean and Alex Lee. Uh, Alex, host of Win the Week. And uh, Carlo, of course, host of the bizarre-sounding new podcast, Did Titanic Sink? There's two episodes up there already with four more Mm-hmm. I've already come. followed it. It's followed. We're following. You're following oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just to see how mad Carlo is. Yeah. I mean, you know what's weird? Yeah. Is that he's uh, never seen the movie. How, is that right, Carlo? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I wrote the film. <laughs> I, um, in, in 2035, I actually go back in time and I change my name to James Cameron. I make a series yeah. of films which actually reveal my secret identity. Well, if the boat doesn't, if the ship doesn't exist, maybe Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't exist and maybe it's you. Who, who's to say? <laughs> Do you have a 25-year-old girlfriend? Well, not anymore. <laughs> well, you can't be Leonardo DiCaprio if you haven't. Uh, now, uh, as, as mentioned, here's my question for you, uh, and, and, and some people are already offering their, their own uh, suggestions here. House of Dragon, the prequel to Game of Thrones, is the TV show of the moment. If you had to raise an army of a particular beast to dominate the world, would you choose dragons or would it be some other animal? Alex Lee. Well, you know, when we're looking at the proven domination of the world by beasts, hard to go past men with guns. Oh, okay. Mm. On track record alone. You <laughs> know, done a they've lot. done a lot. Not always good, usually not, but, you know, in terms of results, gets things done. But I actually have a, a nerdy answer for this. I once did a show where I interviewed an entomologist who mm. was an insect scientist, and she told me about this single-celled organism called slime mould. And they did this experiment with them where they got uh, oat flakes, which are a slime mold delicacy, and they put them in the shape or in, in, a, in a, approximately the same way that the cities of Tokyo, uh, the suburbs of Tokyo mm-hmm. are situated. And then they let the slime molds loose. And within hours, the slime molds had made a network of paths and tunnels 
between all the cities of oat flakes that exactly replicated Tokyo's train system, wow. which is, and you know, engineers that took them years and years do, to do figure Do you think out. House of Dragon or, or Game of Thrones would be as much watched <laughs> and much enjoyed if, if, you're, if you were the director with this idea? Coming soon to HBO, House of Slime Mold. <laughs> it's but but this is weird, though. Are you actually advocating to take over the world or are you actually advocating to make the world a happier place through more efficient public transport? Look, I will be in, in control, but you know, the people must be happy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Carla Ritchie, what animal are you going to recruit? It's got to be rats. Yeah. You've oh, got to get rats. No. You're so right. Yeah, look, they can climb into everything. They can get up inside things and they use their tiny little hands to recode Yuck. things like nuclear arsenals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got to be rats for me. And, and they're, they're hard excellent cooks in the downtime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very hard to ride a rat, but if you have a, if, with, through sheer tyranny of will, it is possible. And they breed up pretty quickly, don't they? Like oh, if, yeah. if if some of them were, were killed by the other army, then they'd just mm. breed up again. Oh yeah, within a, within a season, you'd be, yeah. you'd be back to full. Strength. How would you uh, how they, would you um, establish dominance over the, over the rats? Like how would you assert yourself as rat king? I'd live among the rats for a time <laughs> and learn their ways, and then through that, find out you know what makes them tick and exploit that uh, to my own ends. I think I we know think... what makes them tick. It's cheese, isn't it? <laughs> but, but I don't think oh, you're reading maybe... your history, Carlo. Just learn the flute. <laughs> it's been right there in front of you the whole time. You just need a course. couple of pan song, pan flute songs. Boom, they're yours. Are the you, old woman are, in the hut was right. Are <laughs> you getting your rats to carry bubonic plague? Is that is that part of your defence and, and attack system? I worry that the bubonic plague is going to weaken the rats. So in many ways, I'm, I'm helping them actually develop a much better health system within the rat society. Right. It's one of the tenants. And one of the reasons I'm going to jump, jumping board off that into widespread warfare. Uh, how are you going to make enough cheese to keep them happy? Oh, I have my ways, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it involves 10-year-olds labouring <laughs> under terrible conditions. Well, look, this is where I have to reveal mine and Carlo's master plan because I'm raising an army of cows. Ah. Oh. I will come from the east and he will come from the west and I will provide him cheese in the middle. And we oh, are the first people broke. we take out, the lactose intolerant. They're gone. <laughs> Once that whiny subdivision of humanity is wiped out, <laughs> it'll be an easy walk to the top. Yeah. And the rats shall sup as kings. Yeah, they shall sup as kings mm, on the my... inevitable cheese produced mm. by Tommy Dean's army of cows. Because the idea is slow. But I did like the idea that you used the word recruit. Would you like to be crew dragon? So that there was some sort of hiring process? <laughs> yeah. They're all sitting there Going in through. the palace with right, their CVs. Uh, what's, uh, what's your greatest weakness? Yeah. Well, I breathe flame. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> That's a hassle with a sneeze. I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. <laughs> what are your KPIs? I can yeah. breathe flame. What are you doing? You're clearly a griffin. Get out of here. <laughs> You're not even a dragon. Get out. <laughs> Be very clear about that. They've got to be rideable, though. That's the KPE, isn't it? They've got to be rideable and breathe, fl- yeah, breathe flame. That's where cows are going to come in. You can totally ride a cow. <laughs> to what <laughs> end? What? Have you guys ever been to a rodeo? Come on. Personally, oh, okay, yeah. I'm not worried by either of these. So I, didn't mean, I, like, I meant like cows and safe. bulls. I meant the entire species. Yeah. It's not just. I reckon Alex's slime mole is going to take out both of you. Oh, I agree. The cows are going to slip and the rats are going to be <laughs> eaten. <laughs> yep. But I do like that she invented hope. I think that you were... There's still hope for your world. Yeah, that's right. Hope and good public transport yeah. and oat flakes for all. Yeah, Carlos and I is just a summer barbecue gone horribly wrong. <laughs> House of the Slime Mold will be replacing Win the Week Wednesday nights on ABC TV. <laughs> now, you ready for the Wheel of Death, ladies and gentlemen, the Wheel of Death? 
Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah, you ready? Okay. Here we go. Here it is. I've been excited for Carlo. Physically bringing up Carlo's going to do it. Today's topics are uh, intercom, shenanigans, tripe, apron, crumpets, Devon, schnitzel, blossom, bondage. No, bandage. <laughs> and <laughs> bondage. Bandage. Uh, potatoes, toenails, lost, and czar, and swashbuckling, which fill you full of fear. Carlo Ritchie. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be tripe. Yeah. It goes against everything we stand for in our war against the world. <laughs> we will no longer serve tripe. <laughs> round and round and round it goes where it stops. No one knows. Today's topic, the Carlo Ritchie alone in that windy Canberra studio, left oh, to his no. own devices, oh, no. uh-huh. is Whoa. Intercom. Intercom. <laughs> intercom. All right. <clears throat> intercom. The way I see it, there's two kinds of people in this world. People who can talk and people who can talk through a wall. My name is Archibald Inter. And yes, you may have guessed, I'm the inventor of the device you call the intercom. It's a delightful story and begins in Bosnia. The year was 1997. Spice Girls was in the air and the air was full of spice. Cinnamon spice. I was going to make it rich. Selling spice to Istanbul, I had it all sorted out. And then, disaster. A wall appeared in my new sublet flat. My, uh, my, the person I rented from described it as uh, a buttress, but I knew what it was. <laughs> it was a wall. A wall stopping me from my dreams. A wall through which cinnamon could not move, lest the human voice. I was in a real bind. Or, as we used to call it, a bandage. (laughs) Just a little one for you at home. (laughs) I needed a device that would allow me to communicate through the wall and thus allow me to move cinnamon between my room and the room next door. You see, I lived on the border of Turkey and it was important for me to be able to transport that cinnamon directly to the next room, which was, in fact, over the border. It was a strangely built house, but comfortable. I still remember its French windows opening out into the little garden where once lightning struck a tree. I carved a bench from that tree, from that, from that wood, and, oh, I sat on it many a year. But I digress. The wall was a huge impediment to my future plans. I had a friend at the time, a young boy named Mikile. Mikile played the flute. I didn't quite fancy it, but it did impress the rats. Mikile <laughs> used to come and, and sing out to me uh, from quite a distance with one of those tins on the end of a string. He would say, oh, oh, Papa, Papa Inter, Papa Inter. It was his name for me at the time. He said, Papa Inter, please, please speak to me through this string device. I didn't see a string device, no. I saw the future. <laughs> I had Mikael killed, and I took that string device. I tinkered with it somewhat, and I put the can on both sides of the wall with a much tauter string made of wire, and the result was incredible. Within minutes, I'd sold my entire crop of, of cinnamon, and the world was safe again. Yes, I called it the intercom. Why? Well... <laughs> That's a story for another time. Carlo Ritchie, uh, does he uh, does he die? Does he die? No, Mikhail clearly was yeah, the death. Mikhail oh, died. Someone's already died. So. <laughs> Dark and terrible turn Carlo. that delightful story. To. That's right. Why did you have to kill off the nephew? Well, you know, didn't want any loose ends. Yeah, it's called case. protecting IP, Richard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Well, I think that was a, a very good uh, little description of the intercom and all the good it has done in the <laughs> world. Uh, Carla Ritchie, Tommy Dean and Alex Lee are here. Now, this week, TAFE announced a course in which people will be taught to barbecue. What barbecue rules do you think should be included and what other day-to-day home skills deserve their own TAFE course? Tommy Dean. So many. Uh, clearly so many. I'm just very excited that uh, higher education is finally getting to the things that matter. Mm-hmm. We spend too much time with things like physics. Engineering. Engineering. Plumbing. Boring. Mm. So boring. When clearly a thousand burnt sausages every Saturday at every netball carnival around the country has been crying out for this very course. <laughs> every, right every, every burnt sausage is every, a cry for help. Every one. For, and the onions too. You just you got to get it right. And I think it's time that they took these people by the tongs and rotated them at the proper rate that they need to rotate to get the sausages and the onions done exactly right. Okay, it's complicated, though. It's you so complicated. Have, because the sausages need to be rotated, but the steak doesn't, need, doesn't want to be turned too often. That's it's controversial. That, I think that's going to be mm-hmm. controversial because there is the Heston Blumenthal one flip only, and then there is the flippity flip 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 yeah, method, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm fond of. You are uh, because too much, too much. You know, the way the muscles tighten and tension. There's a lot of science being brought to bear, and then even just to use generic terms like steak. Are we talking about porterhouse, sirloin, rump? Are we talking about thick cut, thin cut, minute steak? Same problem with sausages. Thick. Thin, South African, what's the stuffing? How much binding? What's the fat content? These are the questions that no one asks. And by the way, you over there with the marinated fish, get out of my barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) Do you prick prick the sausages? No! No! The whole reason for the proper fat content is to release that juicy tornado into your mouth. (laughs) Typhoon, not tornado. Tornado makes no sense. Why is there a bunch of wind inside a sausage? I don't want to eat a wind sausage. I want to eat a big, fat, juicy sausage. That first bite should smooth the path for the rest of the sausage to make its way down. I remember um, uh, an advertising thing. This was in the UK, but there was one of those famous TV chefs who had his own brand of sausages at mm. Waitrose, and it had a lovely smiling picture of the the guy on the on the cover, uh, you know, with a with a fork and the. And then there was a sort of serving suggestion which said "prick with a fork." <laughs> Straight under his picture. And people said, seems unfair. He's quite a nice guy. <laughs> but so many. It's going to be good. I think, I think that's the problem. There's just nobody pays enough attention. And so, therefore, I think so much in the kitchen is overlooked. I think the greatest threat to the home cook is their need for heat. Too much heat. Almost everything that ruins everything in the kitchen is because you're in a hurry and you've got the burner up on high. You're cooking it too fast. Everything is too fast. Everybody's got their temperature up too high. Nothing needs to be volcanoed. Just in medium. Medium is your word. Look at what that steak. You've got to seal the steak, don't you? Well, that, well hold on. <laughs> I'm talking about in general. <laughs> are, you, are you about to plug your book, Cool Cooking? Cool Cooking. <laughs> Laid back. Medium low yeah. is the it's, way it's, to go. It's, it's Tommy Dean's response to the energy crisis. No, yeah. reacting to the word seal. There's no ceiling. Nobody seals it. You sear it, but you don't seal it. There's no ceiling in. There's only seal. Yeah, you sear it to seal it. No, there's no ceiling. That is, that is a terrible myth. Oh. Terrible, terrible. So ra- no, radical. No, because, no, because when you're cooking a steak, look at the top of it. You think you just seared it. What's coming out of the top of it? 
blood. Yeah. So if you sealed it, why are you suddenly seeing juice coming out the top? <laughs> Alex Lee, uh, what do you think a barbecue course is a good idea I for taking? And what else should they uh, be formalising? I think I've got some subjects, you know, that we could teach. Uh, kiss the cook, a course on oh. culinary consent. Yeah, yeah. So important. important. So important. <laughs> High stake steak, what to do and how not to bend under pressure when <laughs> someone brings a 10-year dry-aged $200 tomahawk to the barbecue. Mm. How outrageous can the apron be? That's true. Yeah. If it's if it's got fake breasts, is it out uh, out of court? Yeah, that'll yeah. be that'll be in the kiss the cook uh, kiss the cook. Um, <laughs> salad is not a side. Very passionate about this. Yeah. I think we need to acknowledge the time and the skill and effort that goes into the side dishes when actually a lot more skill involved than just flipping a steak around. This is a bit of a gendered comment, I think, Alex. Is it? It mm. is. You know, women. Lumped in with bringing the salads, but, you know, they're, they're toasting the nuts there, yeah. you know, finely yeah, yeah. slicing and, and, and dicing. And then they're meant to just serve these spectacular salads and yet all the attention exactly. is on the guy who's just burnt a sausage. It's mm. learning. This will be a whole course on learning how to properly compliment and appreciate a salad. Yeah. If you don't know how to chiffon... <laughs> Get out of the salad game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Carla Ritchie, uh, you know, a TAFE barbecuing course, good idea, and what else should they teach? I, I, yeah, I like it. My, my only gripe with barbecuing that I would like to see abolished is when people pour beer over the meat. I mean, if, like, if you haven't marinated it, it's too late when it's cooking. You know? <laughs> like, you're, just making a, you're making the barbecue wet. You're making the coals damp. It's no, it's no good. I would like to see a course, though, on, on uh, uh, what's it called? Spreads. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much butter to spread to the edge of the toast. None of this just a little pool in the middle. You know, how much Vegemite to put on, how little Vegemite to put on. All those good t- things about a good spread. I, uh, you know, some, when, you, when you have a sandwich that's been perfectly spread with butter, it's a totally different world. Do you think some people get this, this wrong? I mean, after all, sometimes it's hard if the, if the butter is still a bit firm. Oh, well, that's why you've got to take your time. You know, maybe an hour before the barbecue. You take that butter out and you just let it sit, let it rest. Let it become part of your home. Let it become a friend. Let me ask you an etiquette question, Carla. Let's say you're, you're the, the barbecue king, you've got the tongs, uh, and a friend comes along and thinks you're not doing a good enough job. Is it okay for, for that person to seize the tongs? Look, I have a backyard with very deep soil for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if you let your guests know that and you keep a firm gaze and never break it, <laughs> they'll take their advice somewhere else. They, they will take their advice. It's uh, Father's Day on Sunday. Based on your own father, grandfather, or your various father figures, what are the typical tropes that mark someone out as a father? Carlo? Oh, for me, it's got to be impressive niche skills. Mm. Like... You know, I'm not talking like big generic cool things, but it's like being able to flip a cigarette into your mouth and flip it back out. <laughs> oh, it's still lit kind of thing. You know? That's right, because if the kids come out, you've got to get it out. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. So hard. And, yeah, and like, that would just create a sense of admiration in all children, wouldn't it? Oh, kids love watching a, watching a dad smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Do the cigarette trick again, Dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do the Texan roll. Do the Texan roll. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, some people might not approve of smoke. You know, I can't imagine, but maybe some people. Could that be replaced by a coin trick or something like that? Yeah, being able to throw knives, for example. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Show them the proper grip for craps dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Let's get them into something healthy. How do you know someone's a real? Dad, Alex Lee. I think it's you. I think you reach a level of very specific opinions about things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my father 
very much enjoys Milo in a very particular way. He's got his own special Milo and malted milk cupboard. I think that's one of them. I He's think got a also, whole cupboard. Oh, yeah, and it's just his. Um, <laughs> What's his method? Repurposing containers is another one, I think. You know, uh, you don't everything in the house has to be once another thing. You know, mm-hmm. nuts are in a peaches jar. Right, okay. That kind of thing. That's a big one. Um, you know, I think also just being a magnificent tight ass. I think that's a skill yeah. that, that comes with fatherhood. He's, pretty, he's pretty good at it. Yeah, my dad uh, had this old car and they realised that um, it was leaking, like it, water was slushing around our shoes and our school bags in the morning school run. So my dad drilled a hole in the bottom of the car mm-hmm. and then, you know, to keep us safe from all the carbon monoxide, just put a cork in there, <laughs> a champagne cork, and that's how we got to school every day. I mean, that's that, that yeah. kind that's of thinker. commitment. That's a thinker yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. But did he talk about it? Like he was always pointing out, you're all right, because the cork's there. Like, like I make a point now. Like I never used to be like this, but <laughs> I make a point now of like, oh, uh, the hole it's on, click. And now it's off. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you're yeah. going to be a tight ass, you got to like really put it. Look, look, yeah. who left the sound bar on? The little digital light is eating the planet. Yeah. Off. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Someone's got to thank Someone's Dad. Someone's got to yeah. thank Dad. <laughs> the, uh, the, the rainwater is draining safely from the car, <laughs> yeah. allowing us to use this car for another 10 years. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Thanks, yeah. Dad. Thanks, Dad. I don't. I know what you. I don't know what you call it. It's just a rope, but to us, it's a safety belt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Well, what do you think? What do you think, Tony? What do you think of the sign? First off, I think uh, you know there's a certain slope to the shoulders. You see that in a man walking. <laughs> but, you can just kind of tell. You mean defeated? No, no. Just, just the weight that he's carried. A lot of weight carry. You're like, you know, you see it in students. They get that right side limp from a, ba- a book bag. You just see that a little bit of. You know, there's still pride there. They did a job well done, but you know, a little bit of a turn in. Yeah, they know. Yeah. Um, whenever they're, you know, whenever I get a coffee line. If you're in a coffee line and there's a dad in front of you, you know it's a dad when uh, the barista says, oh, you know, what do you want? And he takes an extra second because he's not used to being asked that. I <laughs> 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 have to run through a checklist in his head. <laughs> what do I want? <laughs> I've that for years. Uh, you know, you see them uh, parked in the back parking lots of shopping centers. They're the ones up the back listening to the radio. Waiting. Like, waiting. That's my, literally, that is like the lasting image. My father's still alive. My lasting image of my father is sending us into the shop to do any, go in and get whatever you need from the grocery shop, whatever. And then he always had a bench seat, like a Lincoln Town Car, and his arm up all across the back of the bench seat. Listening to fifties rock and roll, <laughs> flipping his cigarette out of his mouth. <laughs> and when then, asked, when asked, what do I want? Just to sit here in peace for another twenty peace. minutes, <laughs> but not afraid to correct himself. And I bring this up because uh, for those very persnickety chef lovers in the back, uh, in the previous joke, I said chiffon when I clearly meant chiffonade. Chiffonade is the word that I meant to use. Oh right, a chiffonade yes. is when you roll up the leaves of say a spice. Yeah, yeah. Cut it on a well, I was disgusted. Chiffonade. What a mistake. <laughs> what a mistake. Call of the security that's waiting for now, you. Now, obviously, the loser of the week is the English language, uh, <laughs> but who are the winners and losers uh, more generally? Carla Ritchie. Well, an exciting development here in Canberra this week is that the Mint released a 50-cent coin in conjunction with the Australian Signals Directorate, uh, which has uh, a code, like a code on this 50-cent piece, and there's four layers of code, and if, you, if people can crack that code then the Australian Signals Directorate wants to hear from you. It's like a, yeah, yeah. a test, this yep. coin. Yep. Um, Have you cracked it, Carlo? 
Well, no, because that's the losers, Alex, is people who are bad at ciphers, because it is really hard. (laughs) Uh, uh, Sorry, a 14-year-old child from Tasmania cracked it within an hour. Oh, really? Yeah, well, he'll be disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they're offering him a job. In the lead mine. (laughs) This is why they wanted to lower the age to 13. They need that kid. (laughs) (laughs) Who are the winners and losers? Alex Lee. Oh, I think my loser has got to be Megan Markle because she compared herself to world leader Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Mandela. <laughs> Not a good look. I mean, I, it's really making me suspect that I know the British tabloids are after her, but... Uh, she's helping. She's helping. She's got to be a bit annoying if that's just good. So she's she said the, uh, the, emo- the outpouring of emotion within Africa at the moment of her the, the marriage of a, of a black woman herself into mm. the British royal family, the outpouring of emotion that greeted that event was more significant than the outpouring of emotion <laughs> yes. that greeted the death of Nelson Mandela. That's right, because of course of all those years that she spent in prison for uh, <laughs> human rights. In the prison of her own mind. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, you know, and my winner, Serena Williams. I mean, oh, oh, yes. I'm so invested in her getting all the way to the top. What a wonderful way to yeah. finish that career. What I wonder, Tommy, who were the winners and losers? Uh, the, uh, the big winner, of course, fathers. And uh, just as a father and also the big winners, uh, this is, of uh, course, the big week. Weekend of the beginning of the AFL Grand Final, March, the elimination final last night, yeah. uh, the qualifying final, the Swans versus the Melbourne Demons. Are you tonight. still in it? Are you still in it? Yeah, the Swans finished yeah. third on the ladder. They play Melbourne tonight. Sydney versus Melbourne. The classic civil war played out wow. in the MCG for all of us to watch from 7:50 p.m. on your television sets around the nation. And I'll tell you what fathers want: that leave us alone. <laughs> leave us alone tonight, tomorrow. Just leave us alone. That's what we want. Uh, the loser uh, is, of course, James Cameron, as mentioned. Or perhaps a winner. I can't remember if he's a loser or a winner. Either all of his, his greatest work will be undone by Carlos' podcast. Yeah, yeah. Or his greatest work will be allowed to live again with whatever the name of the ship was that actually sunk. He'll just rebrand it. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, coming this week on The Big Cinema, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, the Delilah. <laughs> oh, whatever the name of the boat was. Yeah, the African Prince. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's going to be so great. Good. It's going to be great. It's going to be uh, so good, uh, Carlo. Uh, we look forward to seeing if you can prove the contention. Did Titanic sink? Uh, we have also enjoyed the company of Tommy Dean and Alex Lee. You can watch Alex's program Win the Week Wednesday nights on ABC TV. Next week, Kirsty Welbeck will be here. Bridie Connell and Tommy Dean. Until then, I'm Richard Glover, and thank God it's Friday. There is room on the door. There is room on the door.